calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. (sighs) We did it. I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here, mapping timelines here, or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign-off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com. Hey, everyone. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everybody to this week's episode of the geek buddies hey well once again you're hearing only two voices this week because one of our (laughs) geek buddies is off in florida we send our love uh and uh, support to mikey mikey he is uh, uh handling some family stuff down there in florida so if any of his family members or friends are listening to this episode uh they are in our thoughts yeah. his family and him are in our thoughts uh as we record this episode yes yeah, yeah. would you figure that out I, I did it took a yeah, second yeah but... <laughs> we're, we're recording this at a particular <laughs> podcast booth and uh shannon put on the headphones he's like why am i not getting in the sound because it's not connected to that shannon <laughs> My God. Uh, so we're starting. I'm uh, one of your hosts, John Roca. I'm a writer, producer, and host over at Collider, the co-host of the Top Ten Show, and, of course, Cinephiles as well, and a proud host of The Deep Cut, which is happening over at Collider. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor, where you may have seen me on 911, Silicon Valley, or my very first credit so long ago, 
House. House. I remember that day. That was a good day. People came over to watch it. I know. It was a nice day. It was on a big, it was on a big TV. I think it's on my Instagram. The, Is it? The picture of me yes. posing with the giant close-up of my face. And look how far you've come. I know. And how many doors are opening for you now? And I still audition for the roles with the same amount of lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. You look good, though, at least. That's a positive. Um, uh, so this week, uh, since it's just Shannon and I, we're going to kind of mess around with some Geek News items. We're going to talk about some stuff and kind of get our opinions on them and then get into our main topic, which is pretty much to talk about the Joker. Uh, that is the thing everybody's talking about, so why wouldn't you want our points of view if you're listening to us on the Geek Buddies? And I'm sure we'll touch on it again next week when Mikey comes back and we'll all three of us be back together again and have a conversation about it as well. But that's how it's going to go. Uh, Shannon, please start us off. Yeah, well, so they just dropped a trailer for this thing called uh, Avengers Damage Control. Damage Control! Now, I don't know how many folks know this, but there is a <laughs> There is a brick-and-mortar place called The Void, which it is a VR – it's like a VR – not a theme park, but it's a VR entertainment spot. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they have dozens of different, like, little games you can do. The one that they're doing right now is based – it's Star Wars. It's called Secrets of the Empire. It takes place kind of before Rogue One. Mm -hmm. Uh, Diego Luna is in it as Cassian Andar. And um, it's really, really, really neat. I mean, the the goggles that you have on, you actually wear, like, a backpack. And so you're dressed up as rebellion fighters – um, but you're, you're disguised as stormtroopers. Yeah. So the other people that you are working with, like you, like if you and I were doing it right now, John, I would look over you and you're dressed as a stormtrooper. Right. You can hold up your hands and you see the gloves of a stormtrooper. It is the coolest thing. At one point, I think you're on Mustafar. Wow. I believe you're on Mustafar, yeah. Okay. But at one point, you grab blasters, and like you can see your stormtrooper hands grab this this weapon, but and you can actually feel it. Okay, and you know you you see K two S O, you can actually reach out and touch his hand. It is the coolest thing. The gameplay is not that complicated. It's right. very much just point and shoot. Um, but it is a blast, especially if you are a fan. Of that of that franchise, if you're mm-hmm. a fan of Star Wars, mm-hmm. so they just released a trailer today for an an Avengers one called Avengers Damage Control, Ooh. and it starts off and you see um, you see sort of uh, you know CGI ish uh, Stephen Strange and it's like God that sure does sound like Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. and the story looks like Ultron somehow reassembles himself, oh, and. Spider-Man swings in, and oh no! First, you see the Marvel Studios logo. So you're like, "Oh, you are doing this in conjunction with the Marvel Cinematic Universe." Right. It's like, "Oh, well, that would make sense. That that sound that's Benedict Cumberbatch." Then Spider-Man swings in, and it's like, "I think it's interesting that this trailer dropped after the oh yeah the deal yeah had been reached the good the, call the extension." Mm-hmm. So looking at it, it seems like you are going to be um, wearing some sort of Stark Industries, sort of like an Iron Man armor, right? And just watching, like you go, th- you're going through the Marvel universe. You see Spider Man, you see Hulk, you see Falcon, you see War Machine. Yeah. Um, this looks like a blast. Now, if you, I mean, any of our listeners, you can go online and see if there is a void location near you. Now, there, are, I know there's a few in Southern California. There's yeah. one in Florida, um, in in Orlando. Um, I believe there's one in Illinois. <laughs> um, but this looks like such a blast, and uh, it's. How they are just kind of reaching out into everything right yeah, now yeah, and yeah. knowing that the Disney um, Avengers campus is coming at some point. Like this is like, all right, this is you kind of stretching your legs yeah. a little bit. Like let's let's see what we can do. Seeing what they can create. Absolutely. Here are the locations. Anaheim, California, Santa Monica, California, Atlanta, Georgia, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Las Vegas, Nevada, Plano, Texas for some random reason, New York, New York. Edmonton, Alberta in Canada, uh, Mississauga in, Ort- in Ontario, and Toronto, Ontario. That's it. Yeah, well, there's Sorry, one. Illinois. <laughs> You're not on the list for the Avengers. There may be a void in other areas, Maybe but it's, the Avengers is only coming to certain voids. Maybe it – but it, it might be coming. Like I know right now they are on, they are on four continents. Like I know, I know that they have one in Malaysia. Okay. And I want to say there's one in Dubai as well. Okay. But they are opening – more and more locations. Right. Um, John, is this something that you would want to do? Uh, I, you know, after my uh, unfortunate experience with VR where I was pushed down to the ground and my <laughs> knees were shattered, um, I would say this. I know as terrible as that experience was, it was still pretty awesome to have the VR experience because it is incredibly engrossing. And you are, if you don't turn in a certain way, 
you're legitimately you can legitimately believe you are in this world because we what gives us our depth and our scope and our belief of what we're looking at it or are moving around in is our eyes. Yeah. So if you start to move remove what we see in front of us uh, without the mask, if we if you put new things in front of us with the mask, then we're going to. Uh, uh, believe that that world is the world we're walking around and existing in. So judging from the trailer alone itself, I think it looks pretty awesome. I think I never need to see another trailer where they're holding up their hands. Like I just – I don't – it's such a cop out of every VR trailer. It's like, oh, my hands. Yeah, your hands. Yeah. Like we get it. But show me what I'm going to see besides these hands. You know. Uh, but other than that, I think it looks fantastic. I like Wasp coming in at the end of this trailer with uh, with possibly Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. It sure sounded like it. Yeah. yeah. It didn't sound like Evangeline Lilly but then – and again, I don't know with voiceover sometimes they adjust certain things and it can come out a certain way. It might still be the same actress or Evangeline Lilly was like, you know what? I'm cool just doing the Avengers films. I don't need to do all this extra stuff. I've got enough money. So you know, it's certainly you, possible. Uh, well, our, our John's co-host of the uh, the Cinephiles, Steve Morris. Yeah, Steve Morris. Um, periodically, our group of friends out here, we have these things called Dude Nights. Yeah, Dude Nights. Where night. all, of our, all of our guys will try to get together. Sometimes we'll go see a bad movie and yeah. drink afterwards. Yep. Sometimes we might just end up at someone's house. Um, I don't know if you were at the last I think you were there, mm-hmm. but Steve busted out. I want to say it was like his Rocky VR. Oh no, I did. I was not there for that one. Okay, yeah, it's um, ish. It, it's crazy how into that you get. Now the void is a completely different thing, right? Because right, you right. are in a controlled environment. We were in Steve's living room. Was it an Oculus? I believe so. Uh, yeah, I we have it. Okay, and that we have the Rocky one. Okay, and there's also a tennis one. Okay, that is incredible, and supposedly a soccer one is being developed. You'll never see me again. <laughs> You'll never see me again. And uh, your girlfriend will never see a piece of unbroken furniture. Yes, again. true, very true. <laughs> the meditation room will be no meditating in that room, other than me meditating what I've done with my life to be engrossed in this thing. But no, playing the Oculus a couple of times, uh, I want to buy it. It's yeah. like five hundred bucks at Best Buy for the the really good one. And so why not? It, it's certainly possible. And you can watch sporting events like you're there. Which is really incredible. Yeah, they had a sample of the CrossFit games on the Oculus VR. It feels like you're on the sidelines watching the CrossFit game games and people are running back and forth and working out right in front of you. You're like, this is incredible. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of stuff. I would, And apparently they have it for the NBA and the NFL. They have wow. certain games that they have a VR experience for and you can certainly jump into that. And they had the, the WWE is experimenting with it as well. I watched That seems perfect. Yeah, of course. I watched a documentary on the WWE that was a 360 documentary in the Oculus. Wow. For like 10 minutes. And you could move to your right. It was different highlights. Move to your left and it's different highlights and then a person is speaking right in front of you in the middle. So you can completely watch, rewatch the same documentary three separate times and have three separate experiences. Wow, so, that yeah. is awesome. Yeah, for 500 bucks <laughs> and those gum those games come with the with the uh with the glasses. You don't buy them separately initially. Really? And not initially. There are certain ones that come with. Uh, and uh, if you have subscription to those services already, boom, you're good to go. Wow, that yeah. is awesome. Well, folks, if you happen to live in one of the locations with the Void, <laughs> check that out. I mean, if you happen to live in where they're doing the Star Wars one right now. Yeah. I mean, again, not complicated gameplay, but it's just so cool to be, just be ensconced in that environment. Uh, thoroughly agree. Thoroughly agree. Uh, we also got some news uh, this week with uh, uh, the Matrix man, Yaya Abdul, Yaya Abdul Mateen, Abdul Mateen the uh, second, who is Black Manta and Aquaman. Uh, he has signed a deal to be in the next Matrix, and a lot of people are speculating. It isn't official yet, I don't think, but a lot of people are speculating he's going to be Young Morpheus. Mm-hmm. So, a Shannon, do you like the casting? And B, do we need a Young Morpheus? Do we need a prequel Matrix? Because remember. Morpheus failed picking the right guy multiple times before he got to Neo. Right. So are we just going to see adventures of him deprogramming or unplugging people from the Matrix to build his team on the Nebuchadnezzar? Or is that the ship? That's the ship, Nebuchadnezzar. Well, okay. First off, I don't necessarily think he's going to be young Morpheus. Okay. I think they're going to try to break some new ground in terms of the characters. Okay. Um, I have an interesting interesting thoughts on Yaya in that – um, Aquaman, one of my favorite characters. I didn't love the movie. I thought the yeah. movie was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got an Aquaman movie, something I never thought would happen. Right. Um, I did not love his portrayal of Black Manta. I mean, I did I don't not. disagree with you. It was just, it was a little, 
just angry. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't too much to it. Okay. Um, now I'm not saying that's that's his fault as an actor. Um, it's like ah oh, boy, this just didn't resonate. I, and I really couldn't think of someone to put in that role right. where I would have been like, oh, that's the guy. It was just sort of like, ah, just across the board, I feel like the only person that performance-wise really did well in that movie was Jason Momoa. Yeah. Um, I thought Amber Heard was better than what we were expecting. Yeah. Um, but still not great. I thought Nicole Kidman was kind of silly. Um, really? Yeah. I, didn't, I liked I, Nicole Kidman. I didn't, lo- I didn't love Nicole Kidman. Wow. I didn't like Amber Heard, but I, I'm never convinced by Amber Heard. And, and rarely I, convinced, rather. I love Patrick Wilson. And yeah. I was like, he was, he was he okay. He was cheeseball. <laughs> um, Willem Dafoe, everyone was yeah. there. You could tell everyone is in that you know green screen harness yeah. collecting a paycheck. Yeah, doing their thing. <laughs> but uh, did you see the Black Mirror episode that Yaya was no, in? No, I did not. Striking Vipers. Okay. I mean, another su- pseudo VR thing. Right. But it's basically – it is a fascinating episode of Black Mirror if you like that show. It's yeah. basically him and him and an old friend playing this game, mm-hmm. um, this, this fighting game. Um, it will be interesting to see just because – when I think of the Wachowski films outside of Matrix 1, I don't think of dynamic performances yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in general. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if – is it Lana Wachowski that's doing it? Yeah, Lana. I don't know if she's the most capable actor's director. Okay. Uh, and, and that's the film as a whole. I mean that's not just his casting. Right, right, right. Um, I feel like going into 2 and 3, like you had – Hugo Weaving, you had Keanu Reeves doing yeah. his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but outside of that, uh, was it Harold Perrineau who was in it? Yeah, Perrineau. I mean, I think he's a dynamic actor, and I was like, eh, yeah, you're fine. I mean, you're just kind of— Yeah, no, right, exactly. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, what do you think? Uh, this is a fascinating casting because once—here's uh, someone I want to throw out people's—throw out the name that are, for people to think about. Aldous Hodge. Aldous Hodge is fantastic. He's awesome. Right? I loved him in Brian Banks. Uh, whether you, what do you, whatever your feelings about the movie, he was good. Mm. Uh, I've enjoyed it. He's in that City on the Hill uh, show on, on Showtime. Mm. This is a good damn actor. Uh, and um, I can't reveal where I saw him recently, but like he is so good at what he does yeah. that to me, I want to give him all these roles they're looking at young black African-American actors for. Right. Um, I would love to see his version of Morpheus, but he's kind of too smooth to be Morpheus a little bit. So Mateen makes sense if they go there up. That being said, though, we're bringing back Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss. So is this is this Morpheus that gets reborn in the Matrix or is this a new Matrix and this is a new Neo? Mm. That is going to slide in and, and Neo becomes Morpheus. The Canaries becomes Morpheus. That's my uh, a point of view. I don't want to see a prequel with Morpheus necessarily. I liked that Morpheus was presented to us as a grizzled veteran uh, who had tried multiple times to find the right one to destroy the Matrix. Finally accomplished it in Neo. And then we get the terrible wet fart that this has been happening over and over again as a cycle. So <laughs> if – if Neo actually possibly broke the Matrix and it's a new Matrix, then I like this idea of Mateen being the new Matrix. Because Mateen is like a better – oh, I got to say this correctly. Damn, this is going to be walking the line. I feel like Mateen is a better actor than Michael Jai White and can do the roles that Michael Jai White does with a little more depth and complexity. Well, and isn't he like 20 years younger? Well, that too. But I mean, like that's the same kind of actor. They say have the same kind of vibe, that kind of look and the you know intensity of it all. But I feel like he can do the – like um, a Mateen Spawn would be fantastic in my opinion. So, yeah. so I, I like – I would like to see what he can do with this. Um, I find it interesting that they're kind of reversing the roles now if they do that. If that's what happens. Right. If you do a young Morpheus, then I'm not sure how you get to that. Right. But, but I – you know – it's been long enough that if you want to take another chat, a stab at this, we'll see. Will it end up like uh, Prometheus? I don't know. That's the correlative thing to me. Mm. Lana coming back to a franchise, the last two installments weren't that great. Right. Um, Cameron coming back to – I mean really Scott coming back to a franchise where the last two installments weren't that well received, Alien 3 and Alien 4. So you're like, okay, what can you do with this? Oh, create, create Prometheus. Ooh, okay. Defenders some. Yeah. A lot of detractors. Then Covenant, yikes. And so I wonder what's going to happen here because I think it's going to get one movie and if it's terrible or if it's middling, the, the franchise is done Well, and what will, for a while. What will be interesting also with him is 
the things where I think he has done a really good job, like mm-hmm. Black Mirror, like I mean, he had a small role in The Greatest Showman, but I thought he was really, really good. Right, uh, it was the brother. He was in Daya's brother. Yes, yeah. right. I mean, so when you have him <laughs> in these smaller, more grounded stories, yeah. now, granted, I get Greatest Showman was a big musical, um, but when his when his character is a little more smaller, a little more grounded, yeah. I full on believe him. I think when you put him, and granted, the only example I have is Aquaman. Mm-hmm. You put him in these larger than life stories, it's like ah. You get a little lost. It gets exposed. Yeah. Right? It gets a little bit exposed. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I think uh, I kind of blame James Wan. I don't know. That's the holy trinity you can't blame. But I kind of blame James Wan a little bit for the direction that Mateen uh, or the actor that, or the character that Mateen created of Man, uh, for Black Manta in the film because, like, that's your job as a director. As in, I thought Mateen at times was a bit over the top in one note. Yes. And that was frustrating because Manta doesn't have to be that way. Uh, and I think if – if you in in the hands of a of a director that wants to bring out a fantastic performance yeah. from him, I, I, that's what I look forward to. And a lot of people like that Black Mirror episode, which I haven't seen. So certainly that tells you he he certainly has it within him. It's just a matter of like, can the right situation come along that'll that'll uh, highlight what he can really do? Yeah, you know? yeah. These these movies, these big these big pop culture, big comic movies, they don't have to be theme parks, right? You know, I mean, they can be like I, I you know I think Scorsese's comments were a little. Off base, uh-huh. <laughs> sure. But I mean, they—you know—there are some incredibly grounded moments in these big movies, yeah. and like—and I think that's that's e- not that's not easy to do, but it's it's possible to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking of theme parks, yeah, <laughs> go ahead, please. Let's move on to our next item. <laughs> so last week, when I was out of town, and Mr. Yeah. Jonathan Gabay filled in so well, so admirably. <laughs> He looked like he was uncomfortable the whole time when Mikey and I were going at it. It's the best. He didn't sound uncomfortable, though. He he didn't sound it. You should have seen his eyes. It was great. I thought JG did a great job. He did. He did a fantastic job. But I was actually visiting my family last week in Orlando. And so, you know, I know we've talked about it before that I worked for Universal, you know, for Universal Florida, Universal Japan, Universal Hollywood. Um, One of the things I got to do was uh, go to Halloween Horror Nights in Universal Orlando. Nice. Now, I've been – I've worked for both, both Hollywood and Orlando, mm-hmm. and I've attended both. Now, I'm always going to have a proclivity for Orlando yeah. just because that's where I kind of grew up and that's where I sort of cut my teeth performing professionally. Right. Um, this event, it is just such a blast. If you live in Florida, if you live in the southeastern area, if you're a big Halloween fan and there's one trip you can take, you need to take it to go to Halloween Horror Nights right. in Orlando. It was such a blast. I mean they had 10 mazes. I think we only got on six or seven of them. Mm-hmm. And whereas Universal here, they there's a lot of crossover with the IP. Yeah. Um, like they, you know, they had Stranger Things. They had they both had us. They both had uh, Ghostbusters, which was an absolute blast. Like not necessarily scary, right? But so much fun. Um, what Orlando is able to do because they have the real estate, just because it is a proper theme park, yeah. is they can lean into these sort of original ideas. And they had three that as I was going through and, and getting scared, I'm, I'm a little bit of a scaredy cat. <laughs> um, but as I was getting scared, I'm looking at just what the stories are. I'm like, oh, my God, these could be all three of these could be movies. Yeah. They had one called the one, the one that I want to talk or the three that I want to talk about. The first one is called Graveyard Games. And it's basically these punk kids go into a graveyard to kind of mess around and all these <laughs> spirits and dead people start waking up. Be like, oh, you want to mess around? Let's mess around. Wow. Um, the production design on this was so good. Yeah. Um, you would have these sort of stone gargoyles. You would be walking past a crypt with a stone gargoyle and there would be a strobe lightning effect and you just see the strobe gargoyle just bang. Just Its head would turn. It's like, wow. oh my god, did that just happen? And the way they dressed the kids – you just hated them. <laughs> so even though you were getting scared, when you'd see one of these kids get dragged down to hell, I'm just like, oh, yeah. You deserve it. Catharsis. Yeah. <laughs> the second one um, was called Yeti. Okay. And it was about a group, and it seems like it was taking place sort of like in the mid-1800s. Yeah. But it is a group of like Canadian loggers and trappers who get stuck up in this cabin where there is a killer Yeti on the loose. Wow. So as you go into the sound station, now granted, this is Florida. So, right. you know, they are cranking the AC at all times. I mean, it was, it's been an unseasonably hot October. Yeah. Um, so all the mazes have a, a, a chilliness to them. Okay. This, I cannot imagine what Universal is paying for their electric bill because it was freezing oh, yeah. when you walk in. And 
all of the interactions that you would have with the Yeti and the trappers, these guys who have like those, you know, those long rifles that you would see in like Last of the Mohicans. Mm-hmm. You see, have these guys pop up. Everybody get down! I mean, just such a blast. Yeah. So much fun. And the last one was called Depths of Fear. And it was about a so – seemed like sort of like a Deepwater Horizon type thing, like sort of a subterranean uh, mining station. Yeah, yeah. And these sort of you know mutated fish people attack. And you start to see you, – you, you get the fish people. The fish people were kind of funny because they had a very large uh, headpiece that kind of went down to their shoulders. Yeah. So it was almost like they were wearing a giant box. So as they're kind of just, you know jumping out at you, it's like they can only really move from like – the stomach down yeah, because it's so restrictive. Wow. But still, again, just the production design, everything about it, I'm like, this is so much fun. Yeah. If anyone is in that area, if you are able to get to get there, if Halloween, a Halloween event is a big thing to you, this is the one you should do. Who did you go with? This, it was just, oh, well, my friends in Orlando, my yeah. really good friend June Lindell, uh-huh. um, Randy Vaughn. Randy Vaughn. And my other good friend Patrick Kelly. Gotcha. We all got to go. And, and Patrick is a giant. Yeah. Um, he's about six foot three. Oh, wow. He, he, he's a huge dude. So for the most part, like myself and June and Randy went first because we know they're not going to jump out at him. Mm-hmm. Just because, even though they have no idea that he's just mo- like the most gentle guy. But no one's going to jump out at him. Right. So the three of us were always sort of leading the charge. So do you think it's a boring time for him because people don't jump out at him? No, because I think he's actually, I think he's actually enjoying watching us get scared. Oh, right on. Um, I'll tell you right now, I'd jump out of him, out at him. Would you? I would. <laughs> just <laughs> well, to see what he'd do. Well, you've met him. I have met him. You know what a genteel fella he is. Yeah, that's why I would jump out. <laughs> Then I flick his nose and jump back out. What are you going to do? <laughs> flick up. Yeah, flick up his nose. Right, exactly. Fair enough. I flick up. I jump high and flick. That's right. <laughs> Catherine Cobbs was going to try to go, wasn't she? But did I she? Think did you she, miss her by a day or whatever? It was. It was a couple of days. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. She was there. Catherine Cobbs. We, we, she was on Cinephiles, right? She was on Cinephiles yeah. when we did uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Right. Another yeah. friend of ours, another geek buddy of yes. ours, who is over in China working on a super secret project right now. Exactly. If she ever comes back to the uh, L.A. area, we should definitely have her on. She is super geeky about a lot of things and not. Short of opinions about him. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Uh, we should also talk about this news item. Uh, are you good with that? Yeah. You good? Okay. Uh, I look forward to it. Look, Orlando is the reason I became. I worked at Universal Studios. We've talked about that. You know this. It's uh, going to see the Harry Potter park that was so engrossing, and I was like, oh, if there's ever an, if they build it in L.A., I'm going to apply for it. So our friend Susan, she posted on Facebook randomly, and I went and applied for it. And that kept me alive for two years, right. almost two years, while I built this career that I'm doing now. So I, I will never say anything negative about Universal overall. Uh, it, saved, it pulled my butt out of the fire, and it was fun doing there. It's Potter. a blast. Yeah, it's a blast. Honestly, if I could have had the patience for it, I could see doing it for 20 or 30 years. I know there are people at the park, and you all might be surprised by this, who've bought houses and put kids through college – Based on the money they've earned as actors or characters at the park. Now, obviously not the furries because those only make a minimum wage or a little bit above. But other uh, actors who play characters, there's a certain amount that they get paid that's really great. And after a little while of being there, you get you know, you know get all those kinds of things and perks and abilities. And so th- it's not a negative job to have and I'll never scoff at that. So. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. So it's great to see. The, I, I can't wait to – well, I'm going to be in Orlando. Uh, next, what's next? Uh, well, what's yeah? Next weekend, Kalinowski and I are going to be at Orlando <laughs> doing our thing uh, on the Schmodown. So, if you want to see us battle for the belts, if you're in the Orlando area, we will be there on Saturday night fighting for the tag team belts. Me and Dan Morrow against Kalinowski and uh, and Chance. Um, I thought about staying an extra day. I was going to have you. Are you only going to stay for the, for the no, weekend? I have to come back to work. So on Monday. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of things to do on Monday. And we have a screening of a particular oh, that's right. a particular film with metal involved uh, that we that I can't miss. Right. Uh, so I prefer that. Um, and the girlfriend isn't coming with me. So uh, she was going to do that as a birthday thing because my birthday's coming up on the 23rd. She was going to do that as an extra present for me to stay in Orlando right. for one day to do Disney and do or do Universal but I was like nah I'm, I'm good we'll go, we'll go some other time we can spend a little more time uh, anyway alright so let's move on to this uh, geek news item this from I want to throw this out we didn't talk about this ahead of time Brie Larson she uh, this is coming to us from Variety she talked about this she expressed an interest in an all woman Marvel matchup um, during a sit-down interview at her Power of Women cover shoot. The Power of Women. Captain Marvel herself, this is from Variety, was asked if the female film has been truly discussed, quote-unquote, among the Marvel brass. 
It is something, she said with a pause and adding, well, what do you mean truly discussed? Larson was speaking of Friday's senior correspondent, Elizabeth Wagmeister, who followed up with You Tell Me. This is what Brie responded. She said, I will say that a lot of the female cast members from Marvel walked up to Kevin and we were like, we are in this together. We want to do this. What that means, I have no idea. You know I'm not in charge of the future of Marvel, but it is something that we're really passionate about and we love. And I feel like if enough people out in the world talk about how much they want it, maybe it'll happen. All right. What do you think? Do you want an A, essentially A-Force? For those of you who may not be that knowledgeable about comic books, that is an all-female team, Marvel Avengers team called A-Force that was in the comics for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think this was probably... Because I remember hearing this before. Like, this came up a couple of years ago. And they, yeah, had, right. they had a... a uh, photo of all all of the yeah the, at lunch or something like yeah, that yeah all yeah. of the all of the the woman heroes yeah. together um, this was probably kind of born out of that moment at the right. end of Endgame um, if they can make that happen organically fantastic like and and I'm assuming that Feige is not going to do something just to check off a box yeah um, I think if if it does happen it will be because he sees it as being useful going forward in the in the larger overall story. Okay. Um, you know, I know a lot of folks thought that moment in the in the film was a little ham-fisted. Um, I didn't. I, en- I, en- I enjoyed I loved it. it. Yeah. I-, I enjoyed that moment. I, I don't mean, know why you would be prickly about that moment. I could see female fans being prickly going, you're pandering. I get that. But dudes who have an issue with it, I don't understand. Yeah. You, it's not like women have been highlighted powerfully throughout the Marvel Universe. They're just now kind of making this happen Black Widow was uh, presented as a, as, a, as a sex object for Iron Man a little bit when she was first. She's climbing through the ropes very seductively. So, right. you know, that's how she was presented, right? We had Pepper Potts, of course, but, you know, she doesn't don the uniform until Infinity, until Endgame. Well, no, I mean, they gave uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson the, the femme fatale. Yeah, the femme fatale. Thing. That's a great point. Femme fatale. Yeah. So, it's, it's, so I, I think this is fantastic. And I think if they do make it happen, it would be fun. So I don't know why people are getting so upset, why some of the fans are getting so upset about it, I think it'd be fun to watch an all-female team do their thing because you've got incredible actresses yeah. involved in this. Paltrow, Johansson, uh, 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 Evangeline Lilly, uh, right? Elizabeth Olsen. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, gosh, why am I? Uh, Dar- uh, Denai Guerrero. Right. Uh, uh, you could have Shuri Wright. You could have uh, all these people involved in it. So why not? Yeah, my my assumption is that if that happens, uh, unless there is sort of an organic way to make it mm-hmm. happen with a larger overall story, that's going to be a great episode of What If. Oh, interesting! Out. Like have them all do their voices. <sighs> I think that'd be dangerous. Why? Why is why is that dangerous? I think it'd be dangerous because I think you're. You going, think that's pandering? Yes. Really? Why? I think that's going. Oh, yeah. We'll give it to you, but we'll give it to you like this. And what if means an alternate reality? So it's not even fucking canon. It's right. alternate. So to me, that's a bit pandering. They're like, oh, if this was a, something that could happen in another universe. And I'm like, it can totally happen now. Right. That could be a thing where it's a girl power Avengers movie where they all go on a certain thing. And you know what? Make the make the villain female. Why not? And maybe it's Hela coming back from the dead or whatever. Right. All of that is with Captain Marvel involved as well. All of that is possible. And I think it would be fun. I think it would be absolutely a blast. And we'd get more time. With these characters that haven't gotten a lot of time in certain films. Right. So, you know, I think it'd be fun. All right. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I was thinking it sounds like a what-if story. Oh, fine. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, all right. Let's move on to our last Geek News item before we jump into our main topic. And I think it's kind of related to our main topic here. And that is uh, this, uh, uh, this uh, piece that was written uh, by uh, Tatiana Siegel. In The Hollywood Reporter, uh, talked about how Martin Scorsese paved the way uh, for the Joker. And within the article, um, she says uh, that uh, Jared Leto, who played Joker in Suicide Squad, was alienated and upset by the movie. Um, A lot of people are running with this. He didn't say he was alienated and upset. She's saying that he was alienated and upset um, a, do you think he was alienated and upset? And B, do you care? I think it would be impossible for someone to go in with a new take on this character mm-hmm. and then to have that take, even if you don't read reviews, if you don't go on the internet and look at what people are saying about you, and I think he knew he was not well-received. I mean, the movie wasn't well-received. Right. He 
was not well received, but he also wasn't in it that much. Like he'd even come out in interviews and said, um, "Look, a lot of my stuff ended up on the cutting room floor." Yeah, I think it would be impossible not to feel slightly offended if like, hey, we're going to do a movie about the Joker, but we don't want you. Yeah. Now, when you look at the big picture, it's like, well, no, it's completely separate from what you did. It's going to be this very specific sort of one-off story. So, no, it can't be you. Right. But good luck conveying that point to an actor with a delicate ego. Yeah, fair point. And, you know, you can't be unaware of how people responded to your Joker in Suicide Squad. And I think what a lot of people – well, I've started here and myself I believe as well. I didn't mind Jared Leto in Suicide Squad. I didn't think it was terrible necessarily. This it was is an, used incorrectly. Yeah, it was used incorrectly. This is an Oscar-winning actor. This yeah. is, Jared Leto's a good actor. Uh, it just is – and I liked it. His Joker was scary in a different way, right? It was a young Joker. Mm. Uh, a joker that could give two f's about anything, right? Did it show too much of itself when it when he wrote, you know, damaged on his forehead? Sure. But what did you do in your 20s? Weren't you a bit too much, a bit too on the nose about who you are, <laughs> right? People want these characters to be fully formed every time they see them, but just like with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, everything is a progression and different versions of jokers can exist. Yeah. Uh and so I just felt it. Yeah, I agree. He wasn't used that well. In the film, I would have liked to have seen more of him. Um, the fact that they have him broken up with uh, Haley, uh, Harley Quinn in The Birds of Prey concerns me because then it means basically that we probably won't see them do – I know it's on the slate that they're still supposed to do a Joker Harley Quinn oh, movie. that's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen <laughs> either and I think that's what at the end of the day is a shame because I'll tell you what. Jared Leto matches up age-wise with Robert Pattinson's Batman. Yeah. That matches up. Um, it's a, but they won't do it. Of course, the negative reaction to his Joker, they won't do it. Well, and I don't think they're going to you know, cross-pollinate those universes, especially if they've already said like the Batman uh, – Reeves' Batman trilogy is going to be its separate – I don't believe that. Own thing. You don't think it's going to tie into anything? Yeah, I think it is going to tie in. Oh, you, oh right. yes. Yeah. You, you think it's going to tie in? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I don't, I don't believe that. I so what? You think it's a prequel? Um, maybe. Or do you think – I think it's a pre- it could be a prequel to the Ben Affleck Batman. I feel like they're they're going to distance themselves from that as much as they can. Okay, fine, but I I just I think it's a lost opportunity. You're going to have to tie him up to Momoa, to Godot at some point down the road. Not really though, because Wonder Woman takes place. The sequel takes place in 1984. It right. takes place in the past. Right. Um. If if an Aquaman sequel mainly takes place underwater. Again, like you don't – if they're not going to kind of double down mm-hmm. on the on the universe, um, there's no reason to. Well, Momoa, they mention Steppenwolf in Aquaman. Yes. Connected. Superman shows up at the end of Shazam. The Superman Man of Steel costume shows up at the end of Shazam. The Batman Dark Knight symbol that Ben Affleck wears on his Batman, that is in – uh, Shazam. Right. So been... to me, they're connecting them without overtly connecting them. But fuck you, it's connected. Yeah, but you I... can't play both sides. No, I think that's exactly what they're going to do. That's bullshit. <laughs> I think it's bullshit. It's I cop think, out. I think they'll throw some fan service things in there. I think that's what that stuff in Shazam was. Like, we're going to throw some fan service. Yeah, but fan service is still canon. I mean, it can be canon, but ultimately, that's not the path they're going to go down, I don't think. Yeah. Well, I mean, if the rumors are about J.J., that's another thing. Like, the J.J. rumors about him possibly doing Superman and a Justice League movie. Oh. Then uh, Batman has to line up, right? Uh, and depending on where they set Pattinson's Batman, Wonder Woman has been around for a bit. So maybe he sees Wonder Woman as a young Tom, a Bruce Wayne, rather. And knows who she is or something about her. And it kind of all kind of blends itself together. I would love it if if DC and Warner Brothers had this sort of grand plan, this you know, with the the red string and, and the, the tax yeah. all over all over the map. I don't think they do though. Uh, here's what I'll compare it to. In a Schmodown match sometimes, you kind of see how it goes step by step, question by question, and where you're at after every round, right? And I feel like if you're building things, things will appear to you as you go along in a match. That's the way I feel. That's the way I play. Uh, and I feel like DC and Warner Brothers are doing that. They're lining up these movies. They're they're like connecting them by the thinnest of strings. Um, but they're just seeing how people are reacting to them. Joker, box office success. 
Uh, Shazam, you could argue to a degree, box office success. Yeah, Certainly cool. Aquaman box office success, Wonder Woman. This is a streak they're on now. Uh, and what's coming out next? Possibly Bird of Prey. Bird, Birds, of Prey. Birds of Prey. We'll yeah. see what that's like. You know, a lot of rumors about that, whether it's good or not. Um, Green Lantern Corps is supposed to be scheduled for next year. I don't. I haven't seen anything oh, about that. Oh, no, no, I don't think so. Uh, and Next uh, year's Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman. Right. And then uh, the Batman's coming in 2021. Yeah. So if this streak continues and Wonder Woman 1984 is good, then you've got things that people want to see together and then you start putting them together. So – you're, they're, I think they're taking it slow and just barely connecting them so that if it all plays out, then they can make the big move to a Justice League movie again. I will be happy as a pig and shit if that, if that happens. I think that's happening. <laughs> if that whole plan materializes. Yeah. I think, I think by, not spe- by not being overt about it, then, they, then the, the, the bar by which they're being judged is different. By by not flat out stating it like the Dark Universe did, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> right? Or like they did initially with the Snyderverse. Um, I think they're keeping the doors, uh, the possibilities open. Sure. Oh, there's an, uh, speaking of Snyder, what do you think about that uh, thing that dropped a few days ago about the fact that Henry oh, Harry Lennox is going to be John Mana? Jones? And people oh. are like, people are like, oh, the way he stepped up to Superman, he didn't back down from Superman. And it's like, well, is that a Martian Manhunter thing? Or is that a thing where he's just like a, a tough general and Superman doesn't intimidate him? I think it's the tough general. And the glass separation. Yeah. I think right. that's full on the tough general thing. Okay. If if he was in fact John Jones, I mean I don't think he, – he's not going to blow his cover by doing something overtly alien. Right. Um, I think like he was playing the role if that is in fact true. Right. Um, that would have been great. I think, I think Lennox is a great actor and I think he would have – that voice of his yeah. would have sounded great coming out of a Green Martian. I agree. Uh, I feel bad for Michael, who's listening to this as he's walking Bosco, but uh, pulling his hair out. <laughs> yeah, release the Snyder cut, Michael. <laughs> release the Snyder cut. <laughs> I am in that camp big time. <laughs> I'm curious whether it's a debacle or incredible. I think it'd be it'd be fascinating because you know there are so many films over the history of film that we have never gotten to see their original cuts. Yeah. And uh, Rogue One being the biggest one for me besides the Snyder Cut. Would you rather see the Snyder Cut or the original cut of Rogue One? Fuck. Oh, that's a tough choice. I would have to say the Snyder Cut. And I think because the Justice League was such an uneven film. Whereas Rogue One, I love. Mm -hmm. So another version of Rogue One would just add to the love I have. Or sadly or possibly take away from the love I have, which I would not have. Like... With the Snyder Cut, there's not much damage you can do to my reactions. <laughs> so it would be there's more. There's no downside. There's no downside. <laughs> to me, it'd be more like curious, like, oh, they were right not to release this. Or B, damn, I'm glad I got to see this because this is fantastic. Now I don't have to think about BVS and I don't have to think about Justice League. This is what was really intended and this is fun. Yeah, but knowing how off the rails. I mean, did you ever see the ultimate cut of BVS? I did. And. Do you think it really would have made that much of a difference? Nope. I think it was. I think it was just as bad, if not worse, for different reasons than the original cut. See, I thought it was better. I didn't. But I mean, when you're, you can only polish a turd so much. Oh, I mean, that was enough. kind. That was kind of my take on yeah, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Knowing how off the rails that movie went, I'm like, the Snyder cut of Justice League. Like, no. I mean, he's yeah. he's on a path, and he is having to build new track as he's going yeah. because he was having to make all these changes last minute yeah. because of the uh, the reception that Batman versus Superman got. It's a good point. It's a good point. All right. Well, that's our geek news items for this week. Why don't we take a quick break, listen to some sponsors, and uh, then we'll be back to talk about our main topic, which is Joker. <laughs> all right. We're back. Thanks to those uh, lovely sponsors of the Geek Buddies. That was a good laugh. Yeah, thank you. That thank was a good you. joker. Oh, no, I do a good joker laugh. <laughs> I do. I, 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 there are certain things I can imitate, and I'm, I know I can do. Um, uh, like a Japanese accent, but I, I can't do them. Oh, God. I'm not allowed to do them. So, uh, but certainly the joker laugh, I'm very good at as well. <laughs> gonna, uh, but I'm see, terrible at the Latino accents, which you saw in the El Pollo Loco. That is so not true. Oh, no, it's not true. Right. It's <laughs> when you true. played the luchador, I mean, uh, I know that was a separate that's thing. That's a separate thing. The luchador is great. <laughs> oh, I, st- I, st- I looked that up on YouTube. Sometimes yeah. I still watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you guys haven't seen the luchador program I did for. Um, what was the food? What was, that, what was it called, that product? Ooh, it's just, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I forget, forgot what company it is. Uh, but yeah, it was a little while ago. A nice little uh, non union gig I did that paid me a nice chunk of change. So uh, I'm not going to argue that. Ah! 
where is the coffee? Where is the coffee? <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, so there you go. Um, right, so uh, let's jump into our main topic um, here, and that is uh, Joker. Uh, everyone's been talking about it, you know, all the separate podcasts, all the separate places, certainly on Collider, there's a lot of, uh, on .com, there's a lot of articles in .com. You've seen it twice now, Shannon. Yes. Uh, what was different from the first time to the second time? Well, I think the first time... We went in and there was all sort of the preconceived notions of it. I mean, I won't lie to say I was looking at the exit doors. I was looking at – You uh, were really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I never did that. That's And that's not something I would normally do. Yeah, but yeah, I was yeah. just kind of like, God, I mean all of this stuff that that we're hearing mm-hmm. – and, and granted, a lot of it is just conjecture. Yeah. Um, I'm like, God, I, OK. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really paying attention right now. OK. Um, coming out of the movie, yeah. I was of the opinion like, God, that was really well done. Um, maybe a mentally fragile person should not go see this. Okay. And, but also, I mean, we were so caught up in that moment and it is such a dark, you know, serious, serious movie. Yeah. Um, and I told the guys that night, I'm like, I want to go see this again during the day by myself. By yourself. See so if I, you liked it or didn't like it. Just so I can sit and digest it. Right. Fair. And as Fair. I came out of that, I was like, God, that was really good. Was it dark? Yes. Do I think this is going to make someone go do something rash? No. This, right. is, this is a movie. This is not real. Yeah. For people to say that Warner Brothers was, was irresponsible in making it, I'm like, God, I don't see that. Yeah. I mean, everyone is entitled to their opinion. If you don't want to go see it, by all means, don't go see it. Right. But to put any sort of blame on it for anything, I'm like, no. I mean, this is like we're getting into the video games cause gun violence argument. Like, no, this is a work of fiction. Yeah. And that is it. I can only speak from my own experience, right? Um, I've been very clear about my experience with mental health and the the struggles I had in 2016 where I almost took my own life in November of that year. And I was very close, right? Went through five to six months of the of the most intense therapy, two separate therapists. Thank you to uh, Mark and Corey who might be listening who helped me get those therapists and get through that. Um, to, and to a number of my friends, including you, Shannon, who helped me through that. And I didn't understand what mental illness was until I had that breakdown. Right. And I went into a deep um, dive into what this is once I healed from it, what it was, right? And so I I also climbed out of it to a degree and I don't fall back into those places that often anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do have them, like two or three days that come around and you're just like, ah, you know, fuck it. I'm taking yeah. my life. It happens. You've just got to navigate your way through it and use your techniques and your your steps. Um so for me, when I hear people say this is a, t- a film that like gives people an excuse of mental or doesn't treat mental illness, illness well, or blah, 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 I get concerned that we are becoming way too soft or sensitive about it to the point where we are so overly worried about it that we start to create the energy that a person doesn't have to work at getting over it because um, – Society is going to take care of you and you'll be fine. Right. But the truth is we have to see the ugly sides of our world represented in art in numerous ways. And I think Joker does that because his and, – and by the way, this is a spoiler discussion. If you haven't seen the movie, you should stop right now. Thank you for the download. We still get the download because it's after 35 minutes. But like <laughs> I'm saying if you haven't seen the movie, we're going to talk a little bit about the spoiler stuff here. For me, it's like his mental illness is brought on from by a physical act. Like someone beats him and that's what causes the synapsis being tied to a radiator. It's an extreme version of how a mental illness can come about. It's not a chemical imbalance. Mm. That's the difference, right? He's not born with a chemical imbalance. Some people generate or are born with a chemical. I think right, this I, is trauma. This is trauma. And there's a different situation. He may write mental illness on a pad, but he doesn't necessarily think he has mental illness. He says this over and over again. People have been telling me how to act, how to be, how to behave. I don't want to do that now. Right. I'm Once he breaks free from what society is telling him to act like, he's never more in control of his own world and power. Yeah. And so, yes, is that a dangerous thing to watch on screen? Absolutely. But we saw a taxi driver do that, Travis Bickle. And we've seen a number of protagonists do that in different films. Um, it doesn't make them a good person. Like people call falling down. Remember what happens in falling down? He gets arrested. 
what happens here at the end of the movie to punctuate the point that you're not supposed to cheer for this guy. He kills his psychiatrist right. and walks with her blood on the bottom of his heel feet onto a white floor. Right. So that tells me that this is not about mental illness. This is a person who was already predisposed by the factors around his life to become this thing. It's not supposed to symbolize that every person who has a mental illness has the possibility of becoming this. I, yeah. I think that's a bridge too far. And I think some people who are very overly sensitive about mental illness are taking that narrative and shoving it into the film and making it work. And I don't think that's right. Yeah, and I don't think they're making him a hero, like at all. Not at all. He he shot an innocent man. Like this guy, yes. this, is a, this is a bad guy. Yeah. And the people that pull him out of the cop car after the ambulance goes smashing into it and they're cheering and they're rioting. These are not good good people. Exactly. They're not good people. No, not it, at all. <laughs> it's a cult. It's a, Someone was pushing back on me when I said it's a cult, but I'm like, they wear clown masks. They wear, like, what's the difference in wearing white hoods? It's all a cult. Yeah. It's all a cult of personality. Yeah. Because he symbolizes this eat the rich mentality. These people, uh, uh, celebrate him. Right. And by the way, we don't know if that's even true. Right. He's an unreliable narrator. The film is an unreliable yes. narrator. Yes, yes, yes. Right? So we don't know if Joker was actually pulled out of the car. We don't know if he was actually dancing on the hood and that people were loving him. We don't know if he actually shot Murray Franklin. We, we uh, That's a fair point. We don't know. We don't know if that happened. Because it seems weird that he would just be sitting there shooting his mouth off or so and security doesn't come up and stop him. Right. And then after he shoots, security doesn't shoot him from the sidelines or something like that, right? All of that, yeah, that's a great point, Shannon. You don't know what's real and what isn't, yeah. right? Just like – Heath Ledger's Joker with his three different origin stories that he tells in the film about how he became the Joker. Yeah. And so this is the whole point of it. And I think some critics are losing sight of that. Right. And they're trying to fit the Joker into their preconceived narrative about the movie. Right. And I find that to be troubling. And I think that's the dangerous avenue to walk for some critics. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and just thinking about how certain certain folks, certain uh, reporters have said that this was an irresponsible film to make. Uh, one, I don't agree. Yeah. Um, I would compare it to like United 93, the Paul Greengrass movie. Yeah. Oh, that, my God. I was way more fucked up from that film than Joker. I mean, had they waited 20 years to make that movie, that would have been different. Yeah. But having that movie come out within what was it, five years yeah. of it actually happening? That, to me, that was irresponsible because this is actually a good – this is a good movie and we should know we should know these people's story. Yeah. But it's – but you have to get a little more real estate. Mm -hmm. Making Joker was not irresponsible. Yeah, no. This is – we are making the origin story of a comic book villain. Right. A comic book villain. And also um, the film turns a, turns a mirror onto society and we may not like what we see. Yeah. Which is our apathy and indifference, our general focus on our own lives causes us to not uh, think about or worry about people who are struggling with trauma or mental illness or what have you. And we just fawn it off on our government institutions and think, well, they're just going to take care of it for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to put effort into it. Right. Therefore, if it happens – Oh, oh! I blame them. It isn't my fault. But Todd Phillips' movie says it is your fucking fault right. because you're not paying attention about to what's happening to the lesser dance. And Joaquin Phoenix or the Joker, Arthur Fleck's moment with Murray where he says, no, 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 no. You're part of the problem because you brought me on here to make fun of me. Right. So you create me. In this way as well, right? right? This, so it's uh, – yes, it's Todd Phillips' very strong point of view. And sure, it pisses some people off uh, and uh, angers some people and you see it in the articles on numerous websites about it, including Collider. There are some websites on Collider where they're not – where they just don't like the movie and I respect that. Uh, those of us on the video side, we liked it. And mm -hmm. so most of us rather. Obviously, there were some exceptions. Uh, but I, I think it's good to have a discussion about it. And look – Good, a good art is supposed to cause this kind of discussion. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. You know, something interesting that he, he says in, that, in the Murray Franklin scene when he talks about like if I was on the ground, you people would walk right past me. Oh, over me. Or walk right – yeah, walk yeah. over me. 
Um, Miles Morales says essentially the same thing at End of the Spider Verse. He does. As he and Peter, as a past, he and a passed out Peter Parker hit the pavement, and people are walking right over him. And he's like, yeah. "Thanks, New York," but because it is presented comedically, right. it is the same situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. That's a great. We accept it in Spider Verse. We got issues with it in Joker. I, I also think the score is incredible. It was great. I think the cinematography was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't pull any punches and still found the uncomfortable humor in the film. Yeah. The bashing that dude's head in the wall and then having that little guy like try to figure out how to get out and couldn't get to the chain. All of that is yes, I know it can be so for some people, I know it can be offensive because he's making a little bit of a short joke, but also, the comedy. I like that. That's where you went. To. Well, no, there's a lot of people. I know there's a lot of people that have said that it's his an offensive blood scene. Splashed on right. his face. Like that's the offensive part. The little right. Person. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Not the fact that he bashed some dude's head into a wall. <laughs> right. But see, and that's the whole um, thing around it. Is like there's so much about uh, uh, what people are getting offended by, but are okay with other things happening in the movie. And you're just like, well. Where's your consistency? Yeah. You know, so I, I find that to be fascinating. What do you think? Oh, Vogel's going to be so upset he missed the conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think its um, award prospects are? I don't think – I think it will be nominated for Best Picture possibly. Yeah. I thought before – I saw it before the controversy that it certainly had a very good shot at winning Best Picture. Yeah. Or at least being nominated for Best Picture and being one of the top choices. But I think after all the controversy, I think the last thing the Oscars wants to do is get involved in it. As much as they're desperate for ratings, I think the last thing they want to do is get involved with with the controversy of this. Right. One. That being said, if you can give the Oscar to anyone but Joaquin Phoenix, I don't understand you. Mm. It's an incredible performance. He's in every scene. He's in every scene. I mean, he's in the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that I, was I an incredible performance. I don't know what's coming that's could rival it. Maybe the Irishman in terms of acting. Yeah. Uh, I think they're – from what the early buzz on the Irishman is, I think that's going to win Best Picture. I think Scorsese is going to win Best Director, which is ironic considering Scorsese really influenced Joker. Right. Well, he was attached at one point. He like, was at the in, beginning. In, in there like was rumors producer, that he was attached. And right. that he sort of quietly, yeah. quietly removed himself from the situation. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, Todd Phillips – did an incredible job. I also yeah. think he's interviewed himself out of a nomination. Yeah, which is what happens, <laughs> right? Uh, Reynolds did that with uh, Boogie Nights. Eddie kind of did that with Norbit. Um, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, Beautiful Mind. This is what happens. if You talk yourself out of situations. And so that's unfortunate. That's a th- very, very true. I wish he hadn't opened his, f- his mouth at all. Yeah. You know, and some people just can't help themselves. Um, and at times I've done that. So. <laughs> what? Yeah. I'm not going to, you know. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Yeah, right. I'm not going to throw uh, uh, stones in the glass house. But yeah, that's, it's the truth. You just don't know sometimes, uh, you know, when to stop, when the moment is to stop. Uh, and you're trying to get a point across, but you're clumsily doing it. Yeah, and keep, there's no way out. You keep digging. Yeah, you keep digging. And you don't think you're digging. You're like, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm no, going no, to get there. I'm going to turn this around. <laughs> don't worry. But it doesn't happen. Why is everyone eight feet above me? Yeah. Uh, damn it. I thought I had this. Uh, but yeah, you see this and you're like, okay, well, we'll see. Um, but that 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 is, uh, I think that's the thing that I, I, I think the score will be nominated. The score might even win, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, I don't. I think if it does get nominated for Best Picture, it's got no chance because of the controversy, right? Uh, but like I said, I think Joaquin certainly would not. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it'll be nominated. I think when you have ten films that you can nominate and it does get nominated, yeah. that's a very deliberate slap in the face, right? Right. Um, could happen. Sure. Again, Todd Phillips won't get nominated. Um, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix has to get nominated. Yeah. Whether he wins, who knows? I have to see the cop out choice. And I say that initially now because I don't know what's coming in October or November, December. And by cop out, I mean the safe choice. Mm -hmm. If there's a safe choice that emerges, I think they'll go the safe route. Yeah, I don't think they're going – I don't think with Joaquin Phoenix winning, they won't do the anti-Green Book. Like they're not going to – they're not going to give it to him just because they kind of wimped out the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving it to a film that probably shouldn't have been nominated. Yeah. Well, you mean Green Book? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Thoroughly. A thousand percent. <laughs> it's a nice lifetime movie. Yeah. 
You can throw that in the pile with Driving Miss Daisy and Crash and even The Blind Side. Oh, Crash. Even The Blind Side, which is no business. The Michael Bay of dramas. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Um, yeah. You will cry now. <laughs> well, those same people who bash Crash are the ones like slavishly devoted to This Is Us, which is the same goddamn formula. Oh, sir. Please. Come now. Please. How many episodes of This Is Us have you watched? Twice. Two of them. And I okay. could barely get through two of them. It was so manipulative and easy. God damn, is that show easy. Oh, I like This Is Us. Oh, I don't understand. I thought, it, you know, I didn't think it's ever been as good as in the first season. It's such but... broad drama. There's no specificity. <laughs> Everything. If you're gonna bitch about Entourage and then love This Is Us, I don't understand you. You can't talk about its broadness as a drama if you've only seen two episodes. I think you can get a taste of a show after two episodes, no, sir. Yes. How many episodes of Boardwalk Empire did you watch before you were on board with that show? One. Okay, you were. You are the exception. I am because it was a period piece. It was well uh, directed, and I loved that time period in America. And I'm a big fan of Buscemi. So it hit all the buttons So it checked off enough boxes It for did. You. Rome 2. One episode. That's all I needed. I was hooked. But, Game of Thrones took me a bit to warm up to. I will say that the first season. That, yeah. I'll give you that. I will say the Sopranos, though. One episode, you're hooked. Yeah. Yeah, right? Sometimes <laughs> you know. Mad Men. One episode. The first episode, I was like, oh, I got to see more of this. It took me three viewings to get through the pilot of Mad Men. What? Three different viewings. It wasn't oh. until the very end that I saw that, oh, my God, you got a wife and kids. Right. You piece of shit. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> that is absolutely fair. It was that. It was then that I got on board. Yeah, I can't do this. I tried two episodes. Ugh, it was terrible. <laughs> Everything was so easy. Everything's so maudlin. You it's did, maudlin. It's a maudlin show. You didn't see the episode where, as a family, they went to go see Rudy. Oh, God, I hope not. No, oh, don't joke. <laughs> Terrible. No, but like I, I saw the episode where the wife was getting mad at him for being with his dad, like figuring things out with his dad and all that stuff. And I was just like, this is like they, they're doing such a disservice to her to make her because she was like mad at him the whole time and nagging him the whole time about her. Is this Randall Sterling K? Yeah, Randall about K. his dad. Like, like I think his dad coming to live with them or whatever. And he was like, there was like questions about the marriage and. And then there was uh, Chrissy Metz auditioning for something, and I was just like, oh, come on. So you did not watch the first two episodes. Not the, the first two. The, the, okay. No, no. You got to start it from the beginning, I, I started the second season. You need to go, okay. Your, your critique is severely compromised I don't right think now. so. <laughs> of don't course th- you don't think so. People, it's your critique. <laughs> people say the first two, people say to watch sex season of Shit's Creek, not the first. So that's different. I would say Parks and Rec as well. Watch the second. Start with the second season. Don't mess with the first. You don't need yeah, to. Yeah, but that but that's a comedy. Now there there is a difference. Like the, the, wait, this is us isn't a comedy because I was laughing <laughs> all through that show. <laughs> Mike is now kicking Bosco. <laughs> He's kicking the tree right now. He wants to jump through the fu- come into this conversation. Ripping bushes. Yeah, right. out by the roots. <laughs> I just this is my it's just not my jam. Sure, I don't sure. think it's deep enough at. Okay. And I, yeah, that's. I think I find it to be very like uh, simple. That's fair. Not everyone, not everyone has to like it. Uh, the same thing. Okay. And you know, some people are not going to like the Joker no matter what, and that is fine. Oh, that's a fair point. Yeah, very true. And that is fine. Yes, yeah. absolutely. We Everybody likes all... different flavors of I ice just, cream. I, to me, yeah, right. And to me, it's like it's like if you don't like the movie, I gotta, I gotta understand your reasons for why not liking it, right? And then. But snarking your way through it isn't the way to get me to, to, to understand your point of view. The holier-than-thou condescension that comes within the snark of a movie. Right. That drives me nuts. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it if it's Batman and Robin. That's, of course, that deserves your snark. But something like Joker, please. Get the fuck out of here. All right, anyway, speaking of get the fuck out of here, we're at an hour, Shannon. I think we're good with this episode of Geek Buddies. You good? I'm good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. Really appreciate you all uh, listening along with us and supporting the show and loving the show as much as you do and retweeting the show and talking to people about the show and then, uh, uh, you know, uh, tweeting at us about your thoughts and your geek stuff through the week. We always love uh, interacting with you all. Uh, shout out to Mikey who couldn't. Thanks for listening to the show, Mikey, even though you couldn't be on it. Um, and, of course, like we said, we're sending you all our love and uh, thoughts of support. Uh, Shannon, where can people find you, my man? All right. On uh, social media, if you would like to follow the podcast, it's uh, at geek 
underscore buddies on Twitter. On Instagram, it's at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. And if you would like to go to my Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Shannon McClung fan page and give that a like, my representation would be oh so happy. If you'd like to follow uh, Mr. Vogel on Twitter and Instagram, it's at MKTune. That's right. You can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. And look, uh, if you listen to us on iTunes or any of these other any of the other podcast streaming services, please give us a rating. Give us a, a, a review as well. Could be one sentence. Could be three sentences. Could be a whole paragraph. Uh, we just uh, would like to get the, as many of those as possible because the more we get of those, it pushes our visibility up higher up the rankings and it lets us it lets more people discover the show and enjoy the ride uh, with us. We're we are tiny but mighty. Is that what it is? We're small but mighty? Small but mighty. We are small but mighty building this Geek Buddies uh, universe, and we appreciate you all coming along with us. And there are more guests to come, and there are more great shows, fun shows, ball-busting shows, battles, and also uh, holding hands agreements on issues that are coming down the pike here on every episode. Oh, John, you're buddies. holding my hand right uh, now. Yeah, uh, proverbially, yes, <laughs> or figuratively, yes. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, and uh, that's it for the Geek Buddies. Hey. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.